Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, as well as Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a, a, an interesting episode for you today. Um, all right, here's what happened. We were continuing our position group rankings, the 12. Uh, we were finally going to do our second one this week. Uh, we got the offensive line rankings recorded. Shout out to Keegan Renault. Awesome to have him back on the show. Shout out to Anthony Trash of Pro Football Focus. Awesome to have him back on the show. We recorded more than an hour. It was fantastic. We ranked all of the pass blocking units, not offensive line pass blocking, because we wanted to include tight ends as pass blockers uh, based off of how we viewed them as well. It's really, really good. Uh, we got done with it all. Um, and all I have left is mine. I have my audio. I do not have their audio. I don't have Keegan or Anthony, and uh, I have informed them both. And I'm not going to have to try and take the time to, to redo that. We just... Even though we're doing one episode a week, uh, it's it's too much to ask. So um, I have edited mashed together as much from mine as I can. Um, and I will go through here coming up what Anthony and Keegan and how they ranked them as well. You just won't get their explanations, which stink because they were fantastic. Both of them were great. Um, so shout outs to them uh, for the time they uh, allowed us to have that you will not be able to enjoy. This is essentially like kind of a lost episode, but we have some of it, but it's a lost episode. Uh, we will get to that here in, in just a bit. But first, joining me as he typically does and will be doing every week once we get into August, my good friend Andy Mitz. Andy? Yeah, it's great to be back. I absolutely hate lost audio episodes because I have had plenty of them on my own. It really sucks because that's usually like the best stuff that always gets lost. So that kind of sucks because I was looking forward to hearing that when you told me it was happening. So, but yeah, um, you know, this is the silly season. Um, so of course, silly stuff is going to happen with podcasts and silly stuff is going to happen with all the people that seem to pretend like they know stuff that nobody actually knows. We were talking beforehand and it's going to be a fun conversation today, Philip. I think so. Uh, I think it might. I'm trying to find... I know I took some notes. Oh, there it is. I was like, I know I had media day notes. Um, let's let's talk about a few things. I don't want to spend too much time on conference consolidation because nobody really knows anything right now. Um, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of opinions being put out there. And you always have to make sure and look at 
who those opinions benefit the most, who would want that information out there. So those are important things to, to, to focus on. Let's let's start with this. Big 12 Media Days obviously was last week. We did not get to go. We're very upset. Brett Yormark, first time he was able to speak. And, and I listened to him on the podium, and I listened to his answers, and I listened to him on, on ESPN's desk, and listened to him on Big 12 Radio. And a lot of prepared statements that were repeated constantly, 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 right? Uh, a lot of Big 12 is open for business. It's a great line. It's being used everywhere. We love it. Uh, want the Big 12 to be more hip and cool, the line that got made fun of a lot, even though I think people, for, for good reason, I can I can laugh at the line and how kind of silly it sounds, but also I think it's being misinterpreted when people make a crack about, oh, Cincinnati, Iowa State, that's so hip and cool. Like, that's not what he's saying, but that's fine. Take the pot shots. You all enjoy doing so at the Big 12, and I have been enjoying doing so since last July. He's taking a tour of the conference, all 14 conferences that will, of all the teams will be in the Big 12 for 2023 uh, over this first 90 days. It's very interesting. They want to be aggressive. They're not set on, on expanding the conference at the moment. A lot of things he said. Not a lot that he said. I'm curious, Andy, what were your overall thoughts on, on our first time actually hearing Brett Yarmark as, as since he was announced as the new uh, commissioner of the Big 12? Well, I mean, he did the normal thing, right, of the guy who's not actually hired yet but knows he's getting the job and in the public eye and where he wouldn't commit to anything and he didn't talk a lot about all of his visions because he's not officially on the job yet. Like, yes, we can, you know, the other thing too, obviously, like being a conference commissioner, you have to listen to what the presidents want. You have to, you know, pay attention to what all the different schools want as well. So it's not like he could come out and make a bunch of pronouncements about how everything was going to run from here on. And of course, all the realignment stuff, you have no idea how that's going to work. He said all the things he needed to say, right? The fact that they are exploring all the options, they're looking at everything. And they he like reaffirmed, I think what everybody realizes is that this realignment stuff is not going to all of a sudden just happen really quick it's going to take time there's going to be a lot of talks there's going to be a lot of things going on but he came across as someone who you know for for his lack of experience in the college football realm understood what it is he's stepping into it's not an instance where he is going to be completely out of his element you know this is more and more college football is becoming a lot more like professional sports uh, and so you know since that's what's driving the bus for all of this realignment stuff that's what drives the bus for most conference you know, media right negotiations, all of this stuff. The fact that you have someone who has that experience in professional sports and negotiating professional sports deals is absolutely fantastic for the Big 12. Again, we we will have to see what he does once he is actually on the job and is responsible for the Big 12 to really evaluate. But this was the best first impression that you could expect. And of course, there was always going to be, you know, the national media trying to find some sort of statement that they could make fun of so that they could make fun of, you know, the big 12, like they really wanted to. So there's not a whole lot you can actually, I think definitively take away from what happened, but you know, I think it was as good as you could possibly hope for. So there's three things specifically I want to break down here. Let's break down each one together. The first one is the make the big 12 brand a little younger, hipper and cooler. Everyone makes jokes, you know, Hey, Hey old man. Like, what are we doing here? You may not like it, but social media is a powerful tool for any brand. The Big 12 capitalize on that. When future student athletes of this conference are thinking about where they want to go next, uh, I want our brand to be aspirational. He wants people, student athletes to say, I want to go to the Big 12. Get hipper and younger and focused on social media and content. I love when people use the word content. I love content. That's literally what I do for a living. When people will say hipper and younger and cooler, like, I, I, don't, I, I think it's hard to, to force that. You can't force that. But you can do things that have been proven to try and bring in a, a younger generation of fans because that's that's where you're going to have to start doing. If you're going to start negotiating when you get your new TV deal, you're going to have one foot in traditional over the airways and you're going to have a foot in streaming. Everything is not full streaming yet. You cannot go full streaming. I don't think you can. We talked to Ari Temkin here on the show. You know, he, he asked that about all in on Apple TV. I don't think you can do that. I think there's too many fans that can't, don't have access to good internet. And, and it's going to be hard to grow something if you cut off a giant chunk of the country that doesn't stream, that hasn't unplugged. They still use traditional cable. They still use over the airways. You have to have that presence. It has to be there. Well, and especially when you think of like, 
Iowa State fans, you know, middle of Iowa, there's not a lot of I think of West Virginia high speed internet that you need to go fully streaming. West Virginia is a good one. Also, the western side of Kansas, where a lot of K State fans are, like there are a lot of places in this country where, especially Big Twelve media markets or Big Twelve fan bases where a good portion of the fan base just does not have access to high-speed internet that you need to be able to go completely streaming. So, yes, it's absolutely impossible to do a streaming-only deal. You know, you can talk about how much you want to be on the front edge of that, and it has to be some sort of hybrid model. You cannot get rid of the traditional cable networks or anything like that if you're moving forward. And, and of course, I don't think the Big 12 really wants to. Fox is, is like, who you want to tie that Tier 1 stuff to and then look at all the options for for your tier two and, and tier three rides. But as things continue to move towards streaming, as the younger generation grows older and they become the dominant buying force and more people continue to unplug, you want to make sure that those fans are paying attention to your conference so that you can start to make that shift, right? So that is part of making it hipper and cooler and younger. I get it. Uh, it talks about social media and content. Like we've had Sarah Stanley on the show. She runs the Big Twelve social media accounts, and she does. And she's the social media coordinator. She does an incredible job. She is a one-person team. She, there's not a group of designers and, and videographers. She is all on her own. Do you want to grow social media and content? I would tell the conference to first of all better coordinate with the teams because they are some of the Big Twelve teams are creating incredible content that they post on social media videos, photography, um, design work that they're using on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram that is wonderful. And again, Sarah does a great job as one person running the social media accounts for the Big 12 Conference. You have got to start making the conference almost look more like the way the teams do because they do an incredible job with the content that they create. That stuff matters. Kids want to be engaged on there. That is where a lot of them are. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Okay, TikTok. Um, I'm not going to do it, but that's fine. I get it. If that's where they are, that's where you have have to go so when he talks about hipper and younger and cooler like we can make jokes about that all the way but he's making a valid point if you consider what they're having to think about when looking forward to both this coming deal that you have to sign here in 2024 2025 and then probably the next one 10 years down the road so these are important things to be thinking about and this is a guy who consider the industries he has worked in i think he understands what he's saying and knows what he means by that but you're trying to put together little PR lines that you can use and get out there and repeat without having to try and go too far into detail because they don't have the details worked yeah. out yet. Well, he's not technically on the job yet, and he's only been kind of working at it for like two weeks. Yeah, I mean, the other thing you have to think about, all the people that are making fun of, you know, those lines and everything are the older media people, like the older sports writers and all that, who that's not who you're trying to recruit to come to your conference, right? You want to recruit the younger kids, the younger the younger students, the new college football players that are going to make your teams relevant and are going to make it so that way the product you have on the field can be sold for higher amounts. You have to have the players. And in order to do that, you have to then also have, like, you have to attract them in some fashion. The conference can do a lot, like you said, to really help with that. And the teams themselves are doing quite a bit to try to do that as well. So, yeah, you're right. It has to be an entire conference effort. And bringing someone who understands that, like, your mark has shown is definitely a good move for the conference. They just need to actually pull it together and, and get something out of it. So somebody asked him a couple of different times, what does open for business mean? Define open for business. Uh, open for business means I'll receive any call from anyone. It's not just about a conference realignment, but everything we do, it has to create value. Keywords here, create value for all the right reasons. We're in a great place. The next question is where do we go next? So, we want to try and start aiming toward a younger demographic, right? We want to start to be able to bring some of those young fans in, make the Big 12 something that you want to watch, and create value. No deals that do not strengthen the conference, right? The thing that we do here on this show is that we are a Big 12 show. I like all the teams in the conference, but sometimes I think I can kind of get argue with some fans who are more focused on their team as opposed to the Big 12 as a whole. That is what their job to do. Now, the conference has to be strong. And that means the most dollars per school individually. How do you do that? That's where I think the create value is so important. And I think it's the focus. It is create value. And it's not just create value in the TV deal. I need to find somebody who can walk me through something. And I'm hoping I'm going to reach out to a couple of people who I have talked to before and, and, and might have the answers to this. In conference consolidation and conference realignment, 
you have to remember this is not the 80s making these decisions. These are university presidents, chancellors, school boards. They have to make the decisions about what conference you're in. If you're going to switch conferences, that matters. So when they are thinking about those things, it's not just about how much more money can we get for our athletic department. It's also how does this impact our university as a whole? Does this open up new recruiting? I'm not talking recruiting for football and basketball and baseball. I mean recruiting students to the university, right? Ideologies, those matter too. Do we feel ideal? I can't say the word ideologically. Ideologically. Aligned. Yeah. Thank you. With the other universities that we're going to be aligned with in this conference. The Big Ten, a lot of similarities. They have, they have a personality. And there may be some, you know, weird uncles and aunts thrown into that family, but they're still ideologically aligned for the most part. SEC, same thing. Pac-12, a little bit of snobbery. Bringing in new schools is not just because, hey, we can get the Phoenix market. Hey, these this team does really well. Hey, they make a lot of sense geographically. A lot of things factor in because it is a university who's making a decision about who they want to be aligned with. So when we're talking about value, okay, this bringing in Arizona and Arizona State means everybody gets a couple million more a year. Oh, by the way, it opens you up to a lot of other things. It's why um, I've been reading a lot of stuff from John Wilner and a lot of stuff from from John Canzano, two guys who do a really good job covering the Pac-12. The the university that gets mentioned the most is who would most like to potentially jump ship first is Arizona State and the Arizona schools. One, a lot of similarities in the way they think with the Big 12. Also, their access to Texas as universities is a very appealing thing to them. That is a bigger reason why not just Big 12 and maybe getting more money and the Pac-12 is falling apart, they would potentially like to jump to the Big 12 because they would then be aligned with schools in the state of Texas from a university standpoint. That would be very, very beneficial. So all this stuff when we're thinking about value is not just how much money are we going to get on our next TV deal. Obviously, for Brett Yormark, that's the most important thing as the commissioner of the Big 12 conference and what he is focused on from a athletic standpoint, but all of these other things are going to play a factor in whatever decisions are made moving forward, which is why this stuff does not move quickly. It does not move fast. It You find out about it fast, and then we have a long waiting period before the next things come. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and as you're talking about, like there are so many considerations that you can't have it move quickly. If you haven't moved quickly, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to bring in schools that do not fit with the conference and you're going to have buyer's remorse later. And that's when schools are, or I'm sorry, that's when conferences are in the most trouble, right? When they have to deal with, um, you know, I guess schools that have different goals, schools that have different ideas about what they want to do. So sorry, I'm sure you're hearing stuff in the background. I have a cat who is very, very active right now and is wanting to play while we're recording a podcast, which is absolutely fantastic. So I love it. Anyway, but yeah, usually you know it's Jamie's animals we got to deal with, but here's Andy's yeah. bringing in the meow, small kitten into this whole thing. Crazy. Okay. Last thing I'll say, uh, quick, he does agree that the playoff needs to be expanded. He would like to see an expanded playoff. That's awesome. Obviously, he has a vote. It's good to know where he stands. Last thing, on OU and Texas, uh, he's looking for a win-win, but he's going to prioritize the conference. He was with a small group of reporters said new, and said, uh, I'm not against having negotiations that would allow Texas and Oklahoma to leave early, but it's got to be in the best interest of the conference, obviously. This is the first time, if you're an Oklahoma or Texas fan, anyone has said anything that even remotely should give you hope that you're leaving to the SEC early. Bowlesby wasn't going to say it. None of the other ADs or school presidents or anybody else related to the Big 12 was going to say it. You're here till 2025. This is the first time anyone has even been open vocally to the idea of you leaving early. It may not mean anything. You may still be here till 2025. But if he's saying that, I do think there's a reason. I do think there is a desire, potentially, to have them leave early. I'm at the point with OU in Texas. Like, hang out for 2023. Let them go in 2024. Figure out how to do it. Make it work. That's... And, and make it done because I'm ready for some stability. I'm ready for a big 12 conference that feels set because, and that's what we're going to get when the new TV deal is, is signed. I really think that once the new TV deals for the big 10 sec, a big 12 pac 12, whatever's going on out there, once they are signed and locked in for the next 10 years or however, we're going to have some time of peace. Just like we did last time we had the 2010 and 2011 and everything shifted. And we had about a decade of it being pretty quiet, although everyone asked questions about it on the regular. 
And then it all blew up again last year and it continues this year. We're going to have a decade of peace, but until then, it's going to be crazy and rocky. I'm ready for the decade of peace. I'm ready for the decade of stability, which is why not only I'm ready for Oklahoma and Texas to leave in 2024, Andy, here's my hot take for the show. I don't want Oregon and Washington. I do not want Oregon and Washington. I've heard, I went on a Wide Right 90 Light show and Levi's pitch of basically give them an out, like a coach is, like you would with a coach. Uh, you're going to pay a set amount of money that's a reasonable expectation for you to leave. But if the Big Ten comes calling, you're willing, you pay your $18 million each and head out the next year and, and we're all good because that helps you get Oregon and Washington who are these two valuable brands. I've seen, I think it was Andy Staples who pitched the exact same thing on his show. Let them have a get-out-of-jail-free card. If the Big Ten comes calling, you can head on out. It entices them to come in and gets them to sign a contract with you. I understand all that. I understand the potential value of Oklahoma, of, of Oregon and Washington as brands. I don't want to do this dance every year of will they, won't they. Like we're doing with Oklahoma and Texas. Of will they be here next year or not? We don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll be until 2025. I don't want to do that dance with Oregon and Washington for three years. I want to know what our schedule is. I want to know who our teams are that we're playing on a regular basis. And maybe that's not in the best interest of the conference. And maybe in Oregon and, and Washington are going to be stuck wherever they are until 2036. I have no idea. But I don't necessarily enjoy, like, good. Look, I understand conference consolidation and realignment is great for numbers. Our immediate reaction show or the show following the news of, of UCLA and USC leaving is our best, our most downloaded show ever. The other two behind it are last year's realignment episodes. I get it. It's great for business. It's why all these outlets are going to continue to talk about it ad nauseum until it actually feels done. But I want to talk about football and basketball. And so- soccer comes is hits in August. Folks, soccer starts in August. Football is in September. The season for soccer starts in August. I want to be able to talk soccer. I want to bring on some guests and talk soccer before the season starts. And in the early part of it. I don't want to be talking about... Well, Here's here's another crazy reason. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado ought to come on down. Uh, or Dennis Dodd's nonsense new article about a, the, the Big 12 and Pac-12 should go ahead and just do the merger. Like, me, 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 merger. I just want some stability. I want to freaking know, this is who we have. This is who's in the conference. I don't have to have the conversation every single year about will they, won't they leave. Can we just be set and and just enjoy things and enjoy the sport without all of this? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I, I, I definitely disagree with you on Oregon and Washington. And the reason being is. I knew you would. Well, Oregon and Washington coming to the Big 12 means that the Pac 12 is done. And if you want to be the Big 12 that survives in whatever we get to with the final, you know, the way that this finally ends up, you need to be as strong as possible. I don't think it's realistic to think. That if the Big Ten and the SEC decide to go to 20 or 24, like everybody's talking about they're going to do eventually, that the Big 12 brands are so undesirable that nobody's going to jump ship. Like, I, I just, I have to think that there's going to be at least one or two teams in the Big 12. If you stay at the 12 that you're at now, or you go to 16 with those Pac-12 schools, there is no guarantee that you have the, the people that you need to be ready for any future defections. And so getting Oregon and Washington, yes, they're probably one of the more likely targets, but it gets rid of the Pac-12. It gets you more possibilities of how you can strengthen your conference. And it essentially gives you a buffer of now we have enough teams. So if the Big Ten comes poaching again or if the SEC decides to grab, you know, some of these southern schools or something to that effect, then you actually have the teams that you need. I think everybody realizes if the Big Ten or SEC gives any school an invitation, it's almost like, with the exception of Notre Dame, you're going to the Big Ten or the SEC. Like, that's just the way it is. And so getting the Big 12 as strong as you possibly can, and I think everybody can agree that if Oregon and Washington come, no matter how long it's for, that it would be beneficial to the conference. Yes, dealing with the upheaval and dealing with the potential of them moving, you know, that that can take a toll. And, and it'd be nice to have that kind of finality. But I think doing that is is losing out on an opportunity to set the Big 12 up as best as you possibly can. And so if they decide to come, that's great. If they decide that they don't want to come, I'm not going to cry about it. Like, it's not that big of a deal to me. It'd be great if they want to come. If they don't, oh, well. Like, we're fine either way. But if if the possibility is there to get Oregon and Washington along with the four mountain schools from the Pac-12, you jump on that immediately. The idea that you need Oregon and Washington to leave to destroy the Pac-12 
if this point they're down to 10 teams, if anybody leaves, that conference is done. We don't know how much they're going to make. They're still in that 30-day window of, of, of Fox or ESPN making a, a bid for the for their rights. Um, it is not believed that Fox is going to really make a bid. It's pretty much all down to ESPN for the Pac-12, unless somebody like CBS or NBC or somebody else wants to get involved. And at this point, maybe they do. We don't know. But at this point, it doesn't look like it. Um, according to John Canzano, uh, again, I would suggest reading him, there is concerns about ESPN lowballing them. ESPN wants to have a presence on the West Coast. ESPN cares way more about basketball than Fox does. It's my one concern with going all in on Fox is this is a basketball conference and Fox doesn't really care that much about basketball. Um, but ESPN does. And they're going to want a presence on the West Coast. Will they, will they overpay for them to keep it together? Or will they lowball and take whatever they can get? Uh, the evaluation that I saw was that basically... One former TV exec's opinion is that they're valued annually at about $30 million a school at the current 10 school setup, as opposed to the like 41 they were going to get with USC and UCLA. I have a hard time thinking that the Big 12 is not going to get more than $30 million a year per school. Yeah, the last valuation estimate that there was was like $50 million for the Big 12. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, that's so, a huge difference. The idea that you have to have Oregon and Washington to blow up the Pac-12, if you steal two teams, they're down to eight. Now they're having to dilute themselves by bringing in SMU, Boise State. Yeah, I, if you st- if you get two teams to jump ship, and I don't care who they are, the Pac-12 is, like, you're almost, if you could convince the Arizona schools to make the move first, you actually have the rest of that conference over a barrel for who you want to take. No, that's that's true, but I think... The, the issue, and I think the reason for the hesitancy right now, is one, they want to get that valuation. But I, I think your best opportunity to get schools to sign on to it is to get the two main anchors that are left in Washington and Oregon. Because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of sentiment around the country. And again, we don't know how much of this is actually true or how much this is beat writers or national columnists throwing out their own thoughts and presenting it as, you know, unnamed sources giving them that information. But Washington and Oregon, theoretically, if they are adamant about staying in the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 or whatever it ends up becoming, like they are enough that teams will potentially stick around for them. If you can yes. convince the Mountain schools to leave, well, then, yeah, Oregon and Washington probably aren't going to have very much of an option. And I get the feeling that they would probably then approach the Big 12 and say, hey, you know, can we come too? And and. And it's one of those things where, but you have to find a way to get rid of the pack. If you can get Oregon and Washington to sign on immediately and just say, hey, we'll take all six of you. Like, that is the most sure way to make sure that you don't have to compete with the Pac-12 later in trying to fill out your conference once, you know, the huge shift happens and everything blows up. And you obviously jump on that if you have the opportunity. I think it's just a matter of, is the opportunity going to present itself? And honestly, I think we're doing exactly what we were talking about where we're, you know, debating about stuff that who knows if that's actually going to happen. Who knows, like, what the real options are going to be. I, I, I agree with you. I don't want to be talking about this forever, but I, I do think that it is worth, you know, kind of taking a look at what those potential big options could be because it's going to come up. It, it may not come up this season, but it's going to come up pretty soon. I, I would imagine that there's going to be additional movement before the football season starts because of those negotiating windows, because of the fact that the Pac-12 has to get their new media rights deal done sooner rather than later. So I think more information is going to come out. Speculation is going to ramp up again. We may not actually hear about actual movement until, you know, football season is, is already halfway over. But I do think there's something's probably coming this year. Again, I don't think we find out anything for sure. If we haven't heard anything before the season starts, we will not hear anything until after the season is over. I don't think anything news related to this will come out after mid-season i don't i think they they try and get it out early or save it that's my thought but remember to read everything with a viewpoint of who is this actually benefits to who would want this information out there um and the number of people who actually know anything for sure is small uh one thing i do know for absolute sure absolutely positively know to my core, to my bones, is that Kansas State is now the third best-selling big news Saturday school for home field apparel of all time. Cats. Yeah, that's impressive. Freaking bow. That is incredible. Like it's Florida, Georgia, Kansas State. 
incredible performance, incredible showing. And look, <laughs> I've got two. I've got my Everyman a Wildcat shirt. I very much enjoy it. My eldest daughter's favorite color is purple. Uh, she very much enjoys that I now have a purple shirt with a meow meow on it. Uh, all of both her and the two-year-old meow meow. Yep, that's a cat. It's incredible. They're super comfortable. They look awesome. Uh, the collection is really stinking good. It's got a couple of burners, like I said, the Everyman Wildcat one. And I have the, the leaning uh, Wildcat on the Wildcat's name that's coming down at an angle. It's awesome. Now look, the, the record competition they do every Saturday, Big News Saturday for 12 hours, it's over. It's locked in. You're in third. But that doesn't mean you cannot still go and buy some Kansas State stuff. If you have seen, if you've seen the stuff, if you've seen your friends talking about it, you're like, man, these shirts are great. Then you need to go to homefieldapparel.com. First thing you're going to see is a link straight to the Kansas State collection. Not to mention, you can find the collections for now every single current or future Big 12 school, 2023. We don't know about down the line. All of them. They're all on home field. The Big 12 is the first conference to get every single school on home field apparel. Beat that, SEC, Big 10, Pac-12. You can't. It's done. It's in the record books. It cannot be beaten. So every single school is on home field apparel. You can get 15% off your forced order with promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. The stuff is incredible. Uh, I think I'm going to do shirt of the week this season. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let like everybody on a poll vote on what shirt I will wear for college football Saturday, which home field apparel shirt I will wear from my collection that includes Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State, Kansas, and Iowa State. And I will continue to work to add more to that list of schools of which I have home field apparel gear from. But my wife sometimes is like, don't you have enough t-shirts? And I'm like, can you ever have enough t-shirts? Look, look this week... I literally wore a home field shirt for every single day of the week, and I didn't have to repeat it. It was the most glorious thing ever. That is, uh, I can do that now. Exactly. Same here. I, that's amazing. I have eight. So, but I'm going to keep adding to it. I'm going to keep adding. Go to homefieldapparel.com, promo code NETWORK12, 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this college football season. Homefield employees, good grief. You guys, I, it's a good weekend. It was a good weekend. All the Big 12. I love it. Andy just playing over there with his cat. I'm just trying to stop the cat from jumping on the kitchen counter. <laughs> All right. So I am going to do my best to salvage what I can of my audio from our uh, our past blocking episode. It's going to be a lot of me today. It's a lot of me. I'm sorry. Obviously, we're going to have two other guests, but they're not here. I think. <laughs> uh, Andy, any final thoughts on, on Big 12 Media Days? Anything that was said about Kansas that uh, that has you excited about this season? Or more or nervous about the season? You know, it's funny. Um, all of the stuff that was said there, it was kind of expected. And even like going around the rest of the conference, there wasn't really anything that really kind of surprised me. The one thing, and I hate this about media days, um, it kind of blew up on Twitter afterwards, where people will make up quotes from players and decide to do it just for laughs. Um, that happened to, unfortunately, to Devin Neal um, after Big Toe Media Days, where they tried to make it sound like Devin Neal pretended he had no idea who Deuce Vaughn was. Um, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. If you are a Big 12 fan, don't do that to your school. Don't do that to, to opponent schools. Like, it does not help anybody to start a random Twitter fight about something completely stupid that isn't even real. So, you know, th that was my biggest disappointment, I think, coming out of Big 12 Media Days was that people seem to think in the year 2022 that it is still funny to gaslight people and make things up about, you know, opponents or even your own players to try to make them look better. So I, I got got on a fake Adrian Martinez quote about Nebraska, but uh, I kept it up because the joke I made about Nebraska was too good not to pull the tweet down. So I just rolled with it. Hey, we all get got. It's social media, okay? It just, it happens. Sometimes you're in a hurry because you see something and you want to get a joke out before someone else does and you're trying to get the kids to bed at the same time and it's not a good idea to be on your phone. I got to go back to my no phone between five and the kids are down. It's much safer for me. It's much safer. Not not winning the end of the week award this week. It's fine. It's not, it, I got more weeks to try. Andy's got plenty of sh thoughts on Kansas on the Rock Chalk podcast. You check it out. It is out every week. He's continuing his uh, his season preview. Check out every show in the network at 1012network.com, T-E-N-1-2-network.com. You can find links to every show in the network. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter. I ask, of course, we're there if you want to see the good Nebraska joke on the bad tweets, 1012network at T-E-N-1-2, the word network, 1012pod on Instagram. Leave us a rating and a review. We have gotten some new reviews. I do need to read those. I'm going to do it. 
I need to, I just got to put it in the rundown because if I don't put it in the rundown, then I forget to do it. All right, 1012network.com. Go check out every single show. Leave us a rating and review for 1012 Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week. Don't ask me with what because at this point, I don't trust myself to hit all the appropriate buttons to make sure that recordings go into the can. Are you a parent listening to this podcast with a child at home, either in middle school or high school, already thinking about college planning, scholarships, or dreaming of them playing sports in college? Do you know a high school or middle school athlete who wants to go and play in college? Whether it's D1, D2, D3, or just they're not even sure they just want to keep playing during college. Well, let us introduce you to one of our friends of the podcast and a company who is an expert in the world of college recruiting, Recruit Route. Led by our friend Brian Bedford, a 25-year veteran of recruiting and former D1 recruiting director, Recruit Route offers a full suite of offerings to help student-athletes, parents, and high school coaches be better educated and empowered to successfully navigate the college recruiting process. Check out our friends at recruit-route.com. That's recruit-route.com. Don't forget, run your route in recruiting with Recruit Route. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, My co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. So as I mentioned, we recorded our pass protection rankings podcast. Keegan Renault, who's covered Oklahoma for a very long time. Uh, Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus, a site that I use. It's not perfect, but it does a decent job, uh, especially when trying to figure out how good Titans are in pass protection which is part of what we were doing today because pass protection, offensive line, and tight ends as pass protectors ranking the teams 1 through 10. I wish I had what they had to say. I'm sorry I don't. I really am. I look forward to these episodes every summer. Um, and I'm, I am I am disappointed because offensive line is one that they never get enough credit. And it's why I like doing the offensive line rankings pod. So I'm sad this is gone. Uh, but I'm going to try and salvage this as best as I can for all of you. Uh, and by giving you my thoughts specifically and how everybody ranked them. We'll start at number one, consensus Baylor across the board. Everybody thinks Baylor has the best offensive line, the best pass protection unit in the Big 12. Yeah, this is why we do number one first, because as usual, we have a consensus here with Baylor at number one. Um, I, I think the point on the offense doing a lot of the heavy lifting for them is is really good, Anthony, but I, I, I'd be remiss to say that that doesn't mean that the players on this offensive line are not really good. And I, I always think your two most important spots on the offensive line are your left tackle and your center. And they have you know, one of the best centers and one of the best left tackles in the Big 12, which I think gives them the edge. And we're talking about including tight ends here. Um, I really like Ben Sims. I think he could be – it's okay. I know PFF didn't have him all that highly graded, 52 grade, on only 34 snaps in pass protection last year. Drake Dabney wasn't that much better. Um, but I will say for both of them, I listened to um, Travis Reeder, who does a really good job covering Baylor. Like these are two guys, Ben Sims, especially is a guy who does put the work in and put the effort in, in pass and run protection. So while I know they're not highly graded um, and, and they don't ask to do a whole lot from that position. I think Ben Sims is going to be a great as a, as a receiver for Baylor this year, but I do think they are solid enough and it's not an offensive line that requires their tight ends to do much heavy lifting for them. Like another unit I'll probably t- we will talk about later on. So I think it's pretty easy to put them at number one, knowing how good they are at center and left tackle, knowing the experience that this entire unit has, and knowing that you know if called upon, you have two tight ends that have at least experience in run and pass protection and can do at least a decent job when called upon to do so. Okay, so at number two, completely different picks. Anthony went with West Virginia, Keegan with Kansas State, and I had Oklahoma at number two, and here's why. See, this is fun. I love when this happens. None of us agree at number two. And uh, I'll get to both those other two you've mentioned shortly. Um, I have Oklahoma at two. Uh, I know this is going to be the best offensive line that Oklahoma's had, but 
I do think the right side of this line might be the best right side of the line in the conference with Chris Murray and Wanya Morris. I think Andrew Ram is underrated. Um, I like this unit. I mean, you get your offensive line coach back um, of, of the coaches that uh, that were able to be retained on the staff. Also, and the thing that gave Oklahoma a little bit of an edge for me was Braden Willis back at halfback. Um, he is the he was the highest rated pass blocking tight end in the Big Twelve last year. And now he's back again this year, which I think gives Oklahoma a huge edge um, for what they're going to want to do. I like this offensive line. I think that's why I have number two. Okay, Keegan and Anthony weren't far behind on Oklahoma. Both had the Sooners at number three in their ranking, and I wasn't far behind Anthony on West Virginia. I had them at number three and fairly close to Oklahoma at number two, and here's why. Okay, so then for me, for number three, I have West Virginia. I've got the Mountaineers. Um, I I agree, Anthony. This group is very underrated. They got better and better as the year went on. Millam is... Uh, the, the, you've got to be excited if you're a West Virginia fan about him. And the fact that he moves Yates over to right tackle, which I really think helps just make this line overall that much better. I think Zach Frazier at center is really good. I think Doug Nestor is solid. This is a unit that... If they continue the growth that we saw from last year through the offseason and start off this year with your new offensive coordinator, with JT Daniels, like the offense you've been waiting to see from West Virginia. My argument against them all year was everything they lost on defense. Uh, How can the offense take a big enough step forward? If this offensive line takes the big step forward that they potentially could, then there's enough there that I think the offense could take a huge step forward. That's that's how much I am excited about West Virginia. I, I think one, two, three, like one Baylor one, just because of what we know about them is kind of almost by themselves. But I think two and three of Oklahoma and West Virginia might end up being a lot closer to Baylor at the end of the year than maybe we think they are right now. That's how much I am. That's how excited I am about this West Virginia offensive line. Okay. At number four, all over the map again, Anthony with Oklahoma state by far the highest. Anybody has the Cowboys heading into the season. Keegan at number four, West Virginia. That's West Virginia for everybody now, which puts them at third overall in our rankings, which I will have on Instagram at 1012pod, T-E-N, number 12, P-O-D. At fourth, I had Kansas State. I am very excited about this offensive line, and here's why. I think the strength of this team, obviously, the tackles, that left tackle and right, left tackle with Cooper Beebe and Christian Duffy at right. I think they are very good. I think they're solid guard. You know, Taylor Poitier missed a lot of last season with an injury. They should get him back. I think that is a, a big add for this offensive line. At tight end, Sammy Wheeler was a lower grade, but he only had it on 13 snaps, so there's not a lot there. The, the thing with this Kansas State offensive line to me is it's not that they're going to overwhelm you just with talent, although Cooper BP is really good. I think they have the best depth of offensive line when it comes to just experience and potential. Like, we can talk about the starters for West Virginia and Oklahoma and Baylor and feel really good about those. Kansas State, I think, has eight guys who could all probably start on this offensive line. I think they have the most depth of anyone in the Big 12. So that's why I put them here, because I do feel for a team where depth is typically an issue for Kansas State, if they lose a starter, they just don't have the depth of talent always to replace them. But I do feel like... The one area of this team where that is not necessarily the case is, is Kansas State. Now, look, if you lose Cooper Beebe, there's there's not another Cooper Beebe behind him in any way, shape, or form. But I do think this is the deepest offensive line group as far as experience goes, where you're not going to feel terrible if somebody's got to miss a game or two. Okay, at number five, again, no agreement here. Anthony with TCU, by far the highest of anybody. Keegan with Iowa State by far the highest of anybody. And I had Texas, by far the highest of anybody. And honestly, I got ripped for it by Keegan and Anthony. Not ripped, but I made this pick, and I'm going to stand by it. The more I think about it, the more I'm not entirely sure I made the right pick here. But here's why I picked Texas at five. I feel like the set of five, six, and seven are all pretty close. I think there's a pretty tightly packed unit here. I like some of the pieces that Texas has to start with. I like Junior Anguilla. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I don't care. I like Christian Jones. They're going to be young. I, I kind of like this unit. I almost put them lower because, look, I know they weren't great in the spring. 
A lot of guys are injured. They got those guys back. You would think that last year's offensive line would take a little bit of a step forward, at least with the offensive line coach being pretty good and the talent that they have there. The problem is going to be for Texas if they have an injury to anybody important. Yes, there's talent back there, but they are so young. The depth is so young that I, I really thought about putting them lower. But I, I like them enough from the starting five perspective to go ahead and put them here at fifth. Again, may regret that decision, but that's fine. It's my choice to do so. At six, Anthony had Kansas State. I'm easily the lowest of anybody. Keegan had Texas Tech. And this is where I have Iowa State. I don't agree with they're going to not be better or worse than last year. I do think the offensive line has always been an issue, except for essentially 2020. And we're still trying to figure out if 2020 for Iowa State was a fluke because of COVID or not. Obviously, Trevor Downing is fantastic. Uh, I like Daryl Simmons. Aside from that, like it's not just that all they're replacing, but also you're losing two fantastic tight ends uh, in 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 Kohler and Chase Allen. And I know they're excited about the guys behind them, but I need to see from them. I From here on out, I've got question marks about everybody, like big question marks. And for Iowa State, like I know we've got a couple pieces I really like. Love Trevor Downing. I think he's going to be fantastic. Like I said, I just, I have too many questions about Iowa State with what they're having to replace to to be as high on them as, as uh, well, as you are, Keen. Okay, at seven, Anthony with Texas Tech. Both of them are way higher on the Red Raiders than I am. We'll get to that in a minute. Keegan with Texas. And this is where I have TCU. I really like Steven Villa. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest. Like I got to a point where I did really good research on everybody. And I like Villa. I like Coker. This was the one unit that I felt like I didn't do enough research on and maybe if i did i would have them higher but uh, this tcu's got so much back and i think this might be the one thing is the offensive line that holds the offense back this year i just from here down i don't love any of them so i'm i'm picking nits to be honest um so i have tcu at seven i i i could give you on a mecha makeup a diatribe about why i have them here but really it's just it's the best I feel of the last four. I will say this, and it did weigh into my pick of TCU here and why I might have had them a little bit higher if I'd done more research. It does feel like TCU has a real offensive line coach for the first time in a long time. So they have that going for them. At number eight, Anthony had Iowa State. Keegan and I agreed. We both have the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and here's why I have them in eighth place. The reason that I wanted to do offensive lines with tight ends was Oklahoma State. Because I don't think any... Cowboy back is a glorified extra offensive lineman at Oklahoma State. That's why everyone gets mad that they don't ever throw to the Cowboy back. It's because they're they're not there to catch balls. They're there to help an offensive line that's typically um, in trouble. And chicken salad or chicken shit, you could say that for the last two years, either because of injuries or guys not panning out. Look, I really like Hunter Woodard. He has impressed me. And I really like Braden Cassidy, as we talked about, Cowboybacks, as a blocking tight end. Like, I think he's really good. And they're going to need him. I might have had OSU a spot or two early, uh, higher, if not for the fact that Cole Birmingham, who was expected to start, is, according to various reports, probably out for the season with an injury. So you go into another season, down a projected starter. Kaylee BTN is a big question. Uh, Joe Mikulski's time at Oklahoma State has been kind of up and down. Uh, we'll see about Preston Wilson. I just, Hunter Woodard is really good. I like Hunter Woodard at, at guard. I like Braden Cassidy at Cowboy back. That's, that's not setting yourself up for, and, and look, Charlie Dickey can Swiss army knife an offensive line together using offensive linemen at Cowboy backs. I, I just, you wouldn't have to coach so hard if you could recruit better. All right. So we are down to the bottom two. This is where things get a little bit interesting. If they're not already, Anthony with Texas at number nine, Keegan with TCU at number nine, and I am the only person who has Kansas not in last place because that is where I have them here is at number nine. I like Mike. Uh, 
It's Nowitzki. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Ugh. Mike Nowitzki, I like Robostic. And I think those two, here's, here's because I have Tech 10th. That's obviously if you're following at home. The difference between these two to me is Tech might have the better unit, but I like a couple of the pieces that Kansas has better. So I'm giving them the slight edge here. It's very neck and neck. It's very close. It wouldn't shock me if it flip-flops at the end of the season. But for right now, I like Kansas a little bit better. I really think, I'm really buying in, I think, on offensive lines this year on on growth. And I think Kansas, with full offseason, with two solid offensive linemen, they did a nice job in the portal. You know, They were our, our transfer portal winner uh, this offseason. I, I don't think anybody did a better job. I think, especially with Nowitzki and Bostic being, to me, the two most important positions at center and left tackle on your offensive line, I, I'm, I feel good about them here. Um, and I don't think Mason Fairchild's a bad blocker. I don't. Um, so I, I'm going to put them at ninth. Maybe that's a bold take, but I, I'm going to put Kansas at ninth, uh, which obviously leaves Texas Tech at 10th, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So yeah, obviously process of elimination. I'm the only person with Texas Tech at 10th, the only person who didn't have Kansas in last place. And here is why there's not much that separates nine and ten for me and and i am obviously the lowest on texas tech um caleb rogers at left tackle i think he's a nice left tackle you guys i think are a little bit higher on cole spencer than i am at this point um you're also looking at kate briggs from new mexico coming in from center you're also potentially looking at uh, another transfer from oklahoma state um whose name just completely and totally escaped me because of course it did monroe mills at potentially right tackle like i this could be a fine unit as a whole. And I am very excited for all the 12 personnel Texas Tech's going to run with Mason Tharp and Baylor Cup this season. And they're fine. Look, I think they're fine pass blockers. I think this is going to be a fine unit. But there's not a standout on it for me that sticks out as much as the two guys for Kansas. And so I think this will be a fine unit. It may end up being better than Kansas. I'm happy to be wrong. It happens all the time. It won't be a first. It won't be a last. I just, I'm just not all that excited about what Texas Tech is going to put out for an offensive line this year. Okay, so that's what we have on our pass protection units rankings. Again, shout out to Keegan Renault and Anthony Tresh for joining us. I'm sorry that we don't have their audio. I, I am going. You have no idea how many checks and balances I have for the next position group rankings we are going to do because I'm very excited about it and I cannot have this happen again but thanks for sticking around for this whole thing again we will post the average basically how we as the network now rank them one through ten based off of Anthony Keegan and myself we average that out we'll post it on Instagram at 10 to a pod and on Twitter at 10 to a network if you've got a bone to pick if you don't like the rankings if you want to argue please do so on Twitter on Instagram Shoot me an email, tentoapodcast at gmail.com. Happy to chat about it. Would love to do so. Love your input. Love what you have to say. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we will be back next week with so much more. The season's only getting closer. I cannot wait for it to get here. We will talk to you next Monday. Podcast Network.